God freaking damn it! Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Big Four Podcast. My name is Luke Sprang, with the usual Brian, Nick, and Andrew. How you guys doing tonight? Amazing. Nick's back. Very Haven't good. Haven't seen Nick in a while. Awesome. Nick, how are you doing? I am great. Hold on. I got to take Good. What? Oh, I need to apologize to the Red Sox organization and, <laughs> and everyone who listens to this podcast. Because I doubted this team since... They're horrendous, losing nine out of ten games after the trade deadline, and I got pissed, and I, I renounced my, my loyalty to the team, in every way, shape, or form, rightfully so, honestly, at the time. Um, but now that they're in the ALCS, I said they're going to get blown up by the Yankees too. That didn't happen. Um, and now that they're in the said ALCS, that they were going to lose uh, Game Four. Now, now, yeah, I thought there. I thought I, I was down very, very awful when the Rays came back and tied it down five runs. I was like, this series is over. They're gonna win today, and they're gonna um, ride the momentum into Game Five, destroy the Red Sox. So I was wrong there. No thanks to Kike Hernandez. Um, and now they're in the ALCS playing the Astros, and they got a shot. You know, I don't on paper they're not good enough to beat the Astros, but something about this team screams magic. And yeah, on paper they weren't supposed to beat the Rays either. I, I can't. That's that's I, the amazing part about this team. I can't. I don't know if I root for the team. I don't like this. I don't like seeing them lose because it makes me more angry than I already am. But holy crap! I don't know if I'm allowed to. Nah, you're allowed. You're, you're allowed. You're allowed. Okay. All right. You're, you're a mask Over. kid. Over. So. All right. Thank you, Nick. Everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, as always, you're, we are no source for all things sports. If you know, you know. Go follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Big four underscore podcast. Uh, Nick kind of previewed what we're going to talk about, and that's baseball because we're in the heat of the playoffs right now. Um, we kind of already covered in our last episode the series between the Rays. Nick, uh, we didn't even ask you because it was super late. Apologize for that, but you're here now. Um, so in our last episode, we kind of gave all, all our thoughts on the last series. You kind of did give your small thoughts. Uh, do you have any other bigger thoughts on the actual gameplay that was ha- that happened during this race series? Well, one thing they did show an ability to do, which they hadn't done, especially after the trade deadline when they started to kind of fall apart, um, was – advance the runners when they were in scoring position. And that's something that's kind of been a focal point for the entire year. They got runners home. Um, not to mention the deep ball helped them a lot. They had a ton of gopher balls in the, in the series, which, which really helped, especially on a good raise rotation. You know, you're not going to beat that team by getting, by playing small ball like they did in 2018. It's, it's, it's that type of baseball guys getting on base, feeling, um, you know, doubles, singles, that, that, that lots of hits, that type of baseball, doesn't suit them this year, and it was t- it's tough to do that against the Rays anyways, that pitching staff. Just they're so consistent, it's tough to string together a nice run against a, a guy like uh, Fairbanks or, or Kittridge. So, you know, that was good to see them driving in runners and scoring when they were in scoring position, hitting home runs, being clutch. That was also huge. And then just 
you know, the bullpen, um, you know, wasn't overly impressive. It was good. I, 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 I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the team. But my God, when you need that, when the thing of the thing was that when you needed the bullpen to, when you really, really needed the bullpen to put up a blank, they came through. They came through, especially games, games two through four. They came through. We talked about Garrett Whitlock in game four, teams on a low. Um, Hansel gave up two runs in the top, in the top of the eighth. Race That's had game, a game three. It was, game three was Hansel. Uh, game three was Hansel. And then but he also and, did that in game three, too. So he did both games, actually. Yeah, game, game, what, two and three he did that? Or no, Whitlock, three and four. Three and four. <laughs> Brazier gave up the runs in game four. Brazier gave well, whatever. You got these You got guys that are supposed to be nails, especially Brazier, not as much Hansel. Um, but you know, you know, the beginning, you know, the race beginning is coming with, you know, the speed they have and they, they, they grinded. And the big thing was not what they, what happened during the regular season was, oh, they have Ryan Brazier comes in and he struggles, for example, he struggles. And then all of a sudden it's three, four run innings. They limited that a lot of the bullpen, three, four run innings when they needed to limit that. So that was good. Watching them put up big zeros in in pressure moments, especially at home, um, was really good to see. That was that was the that's the X factor. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Um, I guess I, I think it's just super interesting and and it's super convenient that the whole season they've had issues all around the board. Like the last, we can point to the last two weeks, of the regular season, the offense didn't get anything done uh, for the majority of the first half or second half. I don't know. There were points where the bullpen wasn't very good. The first half, the starting pitching wasn't very good. Like there were moments in this this season where and can like there are long periods of time where each part of this team was like shaky and you're like oh geez this isn't going to hold up in the playoffs and then as soon as the playoffs come they all three bullpen starting pitching um and the offense and then really even the defense if you want to point to that all four uh aspects of their game just heightened um so hopefully they can sustain this for for the long run but it's just funny how we point to things when they were down. We pointed to the bullpen when they started losing. We pointed to the offense when they couldn't beat Washington or when they couldn't beat the Orioles or the Yankees at home. Like we pointed to everything throughout the year, but now it's and now it's the playoffs, but they put it all together and I hope that they can sustain this. But it's just it's just funny to see that we criticized each part of this team, but now there's nothing really to criticize. Yeah, I mean, so that's the incredible thing about the MLB season. It is just incredibly long, obviously 162 games. And I feel like with every Red Sox team now, we just expect to exactly what to happen um, in 2018 to happen every single season. And that's just to dominate, but that's not going to happen. I mean, with a lot of teams, um, even, even with the Dodgers, I mean, they won what 106 games in the regular season they started off very very slow you're gonna have you're gonna have ups and downs in the 162 game season and that's just expected because you can't really hold on to being really really solid for that long so i feel like it's just obviously you're gonna struggle but you just need to figure out how to do the right things at the right time so i i I agree with that fully and i think the reason why we um were um, kind of um, complaining and exploiting these weaknesses that the Red Sox have that seem to come up with. Because, look, if you look at the Red Sox roster, they're not deep. They're not like the Astros. They don't have – well, 
batting wise, we can make the argument they have they got as good an order as anyone in the league right now. Right now, batting. I I personally think uh, Boston, Houston are were the two not even not even close. It's Boston, Houston, everyone else not even close to two best offenses in the postseason. And we're looking at a team so far, especially the, the division. The Red Sox took down a great pitching staff in the Rays, and they did it with the bats. They didn't do it with the pitching. They did it with the bats. You know, they were giving up what, five, six, seven runs a game, but they were doing it, but they were winning games with the bats. And that is what was so key, especially in the middle of the season um, when they kind of hit their stride was the bats. And we got that to wake up. Um, and one of the – it's – which is why I say the X factor was the big innings that the relievers had, the clutch innings, you know, when they get – them getting the outs when you need them to get the outs. Um, you look at a team like the Dodgers, they won, they were like the favorites to win the world series. And I know the giants are great, but you know, they're the Dodgers, the, the Dodgers didn't aren't looking too great against the giants. Now, especially by their standards, um, it seems that they're struggling to drive. They're, they're almost having a similar problem to the Red Sox. They're struggling to drive guys in when there's runners in scoring position. I've seen that a lot. I'm saying I've watched a ton of Dodger games. They've been struggling to drive guys in with runners in scoring position. Starting pitching is getting kind of banged up a little early in games. That's the opposite of what the Red Sox were doing with. The Red Sox right now are driving guys in. Starting pitching has actually been pretty good to start games for the most part, and especially in the race series. So, I mean, I, I don't think we um, – Going into the Astros series, I don't think we can take too much from the Houston-Chicago series just because Chicago looked god-awful and Houston's yeah. offense was dominant the entire series. Um, and I, didn't, I personally didn't think the White Sox were really fit to make a postseason run. I think they're too young. I don't think they're there yet. Um, when Houston is, they've made, it's not their fifth time making the ALCS. And I think the key to beating a team like Houston is it, it's not on paper. They're not a better team. Um, but they do have – it's inexplicable what the Red Sox have. It's just this magic where they need, they get things like in 2013. And we go back to the podcast early in the year when Brian said this team has 2013 vibes. This team has magic where they just get it done when you need them to get it done. You can quote me on that. They can get it done right now in the playoffs. When you, yeah, team. I will forever stand by that. He can do jack squat. But the rest <laughs> of the team is going to get it done when the crowd's up and clapping in a three-two count, pitch whoever's on the mound, Garrett Whitlock, three-two count, he's gonna throw a strike. He's not gonna throw a ball. That's playoff witty. Kike Hernandez, crowd standing, three-two count, game-winning run on third base. He's gonna put that ball in a position to get that runner in. That's the magic that I'm talking about. It's inexplicable because it's not consistent throughout the game, but it comes up when you need it to come up. Yeah, definitely. I think the well going into the next series, I guess, because we kind of hammered all these points. Um, in our lap last episode, um, but going to the next series, the the Astros. I'm not sure how confident. I mean, huge news, massive news. Lance McCullers is not going to be available. Well, most likely, that's not the official word, but most likely not going to be available for any of these CS games. That is massive because of the way he pitched against the White Sox. And the White Sox, yes, they did look bad, but they're a really good deep lineup. And he handled them pretty easily. I think he gave up one earned run in 10 innings pitched or something like that. I was just looking at it a few minutes ago. Um, so not having him is massive for both sides. And then the other thing, that's the that's the thing I texted. Every, we, I'm assuming you guys were very confused when I said, hmm, when I texted that in the group chat. It was because of the Chris Sale news and Brian. Yeah, that's that's really? what I was saying. Hmm, to I was very I was very oh. interested to hear why Brian, you're muted if you don't. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. Okay, I, I was just wondering. Um, um 
you go ahead. Say what say to me because I am confused. I would have thought it would be Evaldi. But Brian, go explain to me it again. If you're not confident in sale going five six, it allows you to use Pavetta or Hauk out of the pen and then get proper rest to start game four. Boom. There it is. Yeah. And I want to add on to that a little more of that because that's that's and they kind one. of lined up for game six or seven. You know, better. Sale had did struggle game whatever he pitched against Tampa. Did he start twice in that series or just once? Game no, two. Just game two. And he struggled, especially. Oh, early. yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue with Chris Sale is that coming off TJ, he's not – he needs the velocity back up. This isn't this isn't the Chris Sale that we used to a few years ago. And I we, I definitely touched on touched on him uh, several, several, several episodes ago when, we, when he was just coming back. So this is not going to be Chris Sale. We have to year of this guy might hit 95 three times a game. Might. Where we're talking 20 whatever is most dominant Red Sox, he touched 100 a couple times. And I don't, I don't think people will realize that his, his, the velocity put batters on, the toe, on their toes. So I, I, adding on to what Brian said, um, if there's any question as to, you know, we want Nathan Navaldi to go game one, I think the biggest thing about Nathan Navaldi, why he's been so good, is that I, I personally think he's nasty in, in swing games. Um, you know, with game three, where the series is one to one, and you win at home, you go up two games to one, you push the, you push the, what's, you push the Rays on the brink of elimination. That's huge. Yankees obviously the elimination game, and he won that game. Um, I honestly, um, if they had the sufficient pitching staff to do so, would honestly just hold off all of the game three because I think he's going to be filthy at home, but they don't have the sufficient piece. They don't have the sufficient rotation for that. He has to pitch game two. And it's well, also maybe you, big, so maybe you do go for Nathan well, Bali too. Well, you know, you so can go up, the to go up too well. Maybe you do. Well, they're not going to do this, but maybe you do go Eddie in game two, just because he's been better on the road than he is at home. And if all these yeah. the opposite, he's better Baldi, at home than exactly. And he, and just, he gets like, the that's the only goal. thought. The, that starts, narrative the other day, it, I'm not going to, they did. Them. They did. Yeah. I'm not going to make a definitive statement because I know if I make a definitive statement about the Red Sox right now, they're going to go in this after series the complete opposite of what I just said. Um, but the Red Sox looked so effing good in Fenway that it's almost, it's almost like. But your best guys on the road, you put your the guys at home are just going to get it done. I think the opposite. I think the guys at home aren't even going to get, I think you, I think you have, I, well, they, so they don't have the, they don't have the, the depth and the staff to be able to do that, which pisses me off because I really wish they had like a the Dodgers have like a Tony Gonsolin or a David Price to be able to just they could just throw them wherever the hell they want to if they need to get a guy to get a start for some reason. Of course, the Red Sox had some some guy, but they did it because they used a lot of, they used a lot of pitching against the Rays. Um, but I, I I really wish there was a chance a, a way to get a volley to start Game Three because I think him and Fenway Park is so good they can't do that. Game two is the day for Evaldi, um, which is uh, upsetting. And I wish the Red Sox had home field advantage, but uh, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, so we're in the out. T- yes, I can't complain. This you were, yeah. To make playoffs. You were talking about how Nate is really good in swing games. Um, and I believe the number is eight. I know it's eight. I don't remember eight point what, uh, but that is the run support that Chris Sale gets per game. They just put up a 14 spot last time he pitched. He did struggle. Um, but like I said, they put 
14 points, 14 runs on the board. Do we give Sale 14 runs of one support, even though he only pitched for like what? An inning and a two, an, uh, an inning? Well, like I'm just talking about like the game in general. Um, it's like eight, it's, it says 8.9. I think it was 8.9, maybe 8.6. And then Astros announced a starter for this weekend? Or? Yes. Who? For the Astros? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was yeah. Framber and Luis Garcia. It is. And, and both it's yeah. Valdez. It's Framer Valdez and Framber the Garcia's. lefty and Garcia is yeah. the yeah. righty. I'd never so, heard of Garcia before in my life before this, but apparently he's good. He has a are we sub get four. Paul Grant get home. Uh, he's hurt. Even, yeah, he's injured. No, he's out of the pen. He's got awful. Odorizzi will start game four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is, yeah. That, that's Dave need him. I feel like he had Odorizzi so well. Like game, game, game four has the potential to be rough. The Astros disrespect the to Nick Pavetta is just so insane. Okay. Or, or so, you do what Brian said and you just start sale game four because he only pitched like three or four innings game one. And which have... could also happen, which is why yeah, it's perfect. That's true. That's true. Okay. I do agree Funny. with I do agree with sale going game one. And then I do also agree with Avaldi going game two because it's it could be a swing game if the Red Sox can give the ranks the run support that they do give Chris Sale, they are able to pull out game one and really give, they have all the momentum. If they can take both of them, if they could, if they could take both games in Houston, and if you win game one, who do you want on the mound game two to get you that win and go up game and go up two zero, going back to Fenway? Nate, you want nasty Nate, but I don't like, so this is why I don't like announcing starters ahead of time. Like obviously you need to announce game one starter, but how, awesome would it be like just imagine this is best case and this would be best case scenario um but it's possible because i also heard that you know the reason chris sale was bad is they found some mechanics with him and apparently they fixed it this and week and yada, yada 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 yeah yeah um that's why he was gonna so close out game four if we imagine the inning, he was coming into close they could but imagine like he goes six six pushing on seven you can even like and you can't do this now because again, they named the game two starter, but you could do a something they take, like they can reverse it. They, they can change that. They the Dodgers I like guess, did today. So yeah, I guess they could, but like if sale goes that, and then you have a combination of Brazier, Whitlock, Hansel, Josh Taylor, close out that game. And then you do a game two combo of Tanner, Hauk and Pavetta. So you can have Nate pitch game three, at home and then also have Eddie game four. They probably won't, wouldn't do that uh, because they don't want to wait for Nate to pitch until game three because he deserves to pitch either what game one or two. But that would be my best case scenario, in my opinion. Here's the, the shaky thing about that, though, and my and just my. The Reds, so we were talking earlier in our text chain about the Dodgers, and who they, you know, they're going to do a kind of just all hands on deck, everyone going to pitch thing. Neat, and they yeah. are equipped to do that because they have the best rotation in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throughout your team ERAs, I think was, I was very close, if not was sub three this year. Um, the Red Sox are not equipped to, the Red Sox don't have that. They got guys, as I, I said, they got guys that can get outs, but let's, you know, Let's not let's let's call a spade a spade here. They gave up five plus almost five plus runs in every game in that series against the Rays. That is the team ERA of over five compared to the Dodgers season team ERA. ERA 162 game season was around three, if not sub that, sub three. 
Um, they they so, only let up four game on, uh, on game three. Four, but they I think overall they gave up five, average like what? Gave up so their playoff ERA, their playoff, I can t- I can tell you right now their playoff ERA is four point one three right now. You take which out, is, you had the Yankees game and they gave up two yeah. runs against the Yankees yeah. four point one whatever. But it, the you know but it's still that's a four ERA. So that is that's that's the equivalent of putting starting starting regular season Nick Pavetta in like every game, which isn't something that I'm comfortable with. Now you have to take that with a grain of salt. There's going to be different guys pitching with the Red Sox. It's a bullpen thing, but this was this, their bullpen was their weakness. We have, we need to realize that. And we're going to, and it, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. That's why I why this on paper. This team's should get blown out by the Astros. I don't think they will, but they don't, they, they can't, they, those type of games put them at a very big disadvantage where some teams actually makes them advantageous. The, the Red Sox, a bullpen game is not a good, not good. So my fear. So what I was saying was it's not really, it wouldn't really be a bullpen game. It would just be a combo of Whitlock or not Whitlock. How can Pavetta, like it would be so drastically different to what the Dodgers would do tonight. Like Pavetta and how would probably combine six or seven innings. Whereas the Dodgers tonight are probably going to switch pitchers every inning or every other inning. Like they're in drastic times because it's an elimination game, but I do agree with you. Uh, bullpen game would be tough. It's it's super unlikely. I just said it because uh, I think it would be cool to have Nate just ride the playoffs at home because he's so good there. Um, but yeah, That's the bullpen. You can't have yeah. a race wait again. Again, exactly. what doing Tampa, you know, the only issue about pitching Nate game three is that you risk, you know, well. I guess the, the idea is that he would pitch twice because you're, you're good enough to beat the Astros anyways, and you should, you know, take them at least to six games. Um, but the, that's, that's the worry is that what if, you know, they only lose, they lose in five and you only, you pitch your ace once and then lose in five games where if you pitches game one or two, well, maybe we get them for game. Maybe we get them for game two and five or one and four, whatever, what have you. Um, that's the worry. I don't think it will happen. Um, but again, the reason I think is just because they're not deep rotation wise. They can't afford to pitch anyone other than Nathan Valdi game too. Like you could start at Juan Rodriguez, sure, but he just threw like 80, 90 something pitches the other day, two days ago. Um, he's his, it's not a not healthy and B won't be able to go long. You could start, you could start uh, Pavetta. I wouldn't be opposed to that, but it seems like he's kind of he varies. He's really adopted that role of being the guy that comes in when you're starting pitchers in trouble, which happened a few times in the series. And he's kind of really adopted that role of being that long reliever that's just completely nasty. Um, you could start Tanner Houck too. Um, I don't know how that would play out. Just you, you know, gotta take him out after a third time around. Starting postseason, um, but there are all these gambles. But one thing's for sure that Nate Navalny is locked. He, he, I mean, he's nails. You have to pitch him game two. He's your you ace. Can. You have to give him as many opportunities as possible. If if you get swept, you get swept. He pitches once, he pitches once, you get swept, whatever. If you take him to five, which you should take him, I think they should take him lead to six. Um, he should pitch twice. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I guess go ahead. So I think we're all forgetting about probably one of the best pitching performances that did happen in Houston earlier this year. Give Martinez. No, 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 no
Table. Table that idea. Dude's season and career That's... went heavily downhill after that start, and that what was in June. I, I, I bet I bet Martin. He's had some yeah, time little, off. Little Martin but... junk ball uh, combo for game two. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I mean, this throwing guy... an inning for Verdugo. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. No, 2023. <laughs> that's 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 when he's being a reliever, right? 2023. Yeah, 2023. You know what you do? Cheese. You what? look. You look at your rotation, and you you find the guy that whose contract is, is expiring and won't resign, and you throw his arm out. Erod, because <laughs> he's not coming E-Rod. back. You E-Rod. make this E-Rod. guy throw 140 pitches if you have to. You this guy is just a filler, and you burn him because you're never going to need him again because he's going to be gone. And if he gets Tommy John, he gets Tommy John. So what? He's not missing time for your team. <laughs> someone else's money. Someone else's problem. That's what you do. That's the play. Well, someone else. I think Erod. I think Erod yeah, needs to be worried about actually having a job next year. I don't know, but that Super performance shaky. the other day was was pretty good. He'll get well, yeah. something. He'll get something. Yeah, he'll get he'll he'll get picked up by yeah, dude. We might see him a lot next year. He'll go to the to the slums in Baltimore. Yeah, he might get signed by Houston, learn how to doctor a baseball, and then play well or something like that. Yeah, well, what what was it, Nick? Learn how to get a slider or whatever, whatever. Oh pitch my you god, want him dude! In. Here's Rodriguez's he issue. Would be a shy young candidate. I swear to God. <laughs> He is a strike. He is a contact pitcher who pitches like a strikeout pitcher. He throws three fastballs and a and, and a changeup. He throws a two seamer, a cutter, a four seamer, and a changeup. And he dots. Like you're, you're not. You no wonder why you get lit up, Edward. You throw ninety five maximum. No, yeah, ma- he throws, three he throws like ninety two. Three fastballs and one changeup. <laughs> You need he would, yeah, he would actually inches. fit in perfect with Baltimore. He I, throws schlop maglop. Yeah, well, I said this. A slider or some kind of heartbreaking ball. because he Nick, I said this. One. So I said this to you. I said these exact words to you the last time you said this. If he was able to throw a slider, I'm sure he would be able to figure it out by now. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I'm in. I'm in like, you know. I'm a middle-aged man. Let me just it's not like a slider. It's not like Pedro Martinez is there half the time. Maybe exactly. his issue is he just he gets he gets those power breaking pitches and he can't control it. Maybe his issue is that he's not good at pitching. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's why he sucks right now. Because he wow, can't. We hold on. Timeout. Breaking news: Eduardo Rodriguez is is bad right now because he sucks at pitching. <sighs> I mean, Erod has officially been named the, the game one starter. Game four. He shoved. He did. did. I'll give him that. Like he was, he was very good. You, he, he can neutralize lineups that like the Yankees sometimes that hit strictly home runs. But when you get teams, especially like Houston, that hit the ball really well, just. I mean, that was supposed to be the Rays. It's adding practice. You know. You know, we have on the ledger this week, Houston Astros. And I tell you what, Fedor Rodriguez takes the bump, number 57. It's batting practice. And you got to hope it's not in way, which it probably will be. He is game three status. That's swing game, batting practice, swing game. Can't wait. Buckle up, folks. So, what what do we think about this series? How are we feeling? How are we feeling? I am going to take the Astros because every time I'm, because I'm, I, I want. I'm wrong about everything. 
for the greater and good how, of how many Red games? Sox fan base, I'm gonna take the Astros in six. Either six. 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 All right. So do we, are we all just gonna go around? Sure, sure. Give, why not? Give some answers. Okay, why not? Why not? Um, I got two things. I got my yellow shirt, and I got my cups. This this bag does wonders for the program. It's absolutely stunning. I keep it like right on this couch. I sit right here and watch the game. I keep it on the couch, like right next to the armrest. I flip it up so that the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup uh, logo is facing me. And every single time I need something cool to happen, I just touch the bag. It's exactly what I do. I got socks in what's the, uh, six. What's the official candy of the Pats? Oh, the Pats? Um, honestly, honestly, it's still these. Butterfingers. Honestly, it's still these because I so I had the Reese's peanut butter cups. I brought Thin them mints. to New. I brought them to New Hampshire when nah, I was there on Sunday for the Red Sox game. They were doing pretty bad, and guess what? They scored sixteen unanswered points to win the game. As soon as I put these right by my side. Nah, yeah, right now, right now the Pats are irrelevant and horrible, so they're more of like an almond joy type beat. That's hey, that's what I got. I was gonna say almond joy. I was gonna say yeah, mounds joy. or almond joy. Ugh, I was looking yeah. out. And then, of my yeah, face. the Jets, the Jets would be like a whopper or something. No, the Those Jets, no, the Jets would no, 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 The Jets would be a payday. Nerds. Payday is payday isn't Nerds. a candy bar. Just like the Jets <laughs> aren't an NFL team. Payday is Jets, just no. Peanuts. No, the Jets would be. If we're, if we're talking Halloween candy, the Jets would be dental floss. You just oh no, they would be. They, oh the wait, so which which team would it'd be? Can, they'd be which stop would, and shop coupons. Which team would be candy corn? Because that is the most disgusting thing on the history of the planet. Candy corn, candy corn. Mm. Which team is candy corn? Trash. So the Bears. Yeah, the Bears. That's good. <laughs> I like that. I historic, still like historic. You need them. You need them as part of. You need them as part of your Halloween. Because they, it's the face of Halloween, yeah. but they suck. The Chicago Bears. Or yeah. the Cleveland Browns, but the Browns are good right now. So I'd say the Bears. Yeah. You're looking for an historic team that sucks. Whatever. Halloween. Yeah. Halloween is a Sunday. So Any more candies? We can make our we'll we'll make a full episode dedicated to the NFL Buffalo, teams. The Buffalo Bills candies. would be like a Kit Kat because it's just elite, like top tier. Like and honestly, like the bells are oh, good. No, Kit actually, Kat yeah, they would be a Kit Kat, and then what's what's something else that's just really solid, um, like a like a Snickers, maybe, maybe just a Reese's peanut butter cup. That would be something that's been pretty legit for a long time. Yeah. So like, I would probably say like maybe the Packers because the Patriots suck now. Yeah. But- so something like that. We'll, we'll at, go in. I'm gonna actually do this for closer to Halloween. I'm gonna give every single team a candy. We should, and then we got it. We got to pin. We'll make the, that um, a se- we'll make that a special segment, uh, right before go. Halloween. Mm-hmm. We gotta we gotta pin either. Um, I would say we gotta put. Um, F. Oh, we got We gotta put the um, New Orleans Saints, absolutely dominant one week, completely okay. terrible another Last week. One. Which means the New Orleans Saints have to be some kind of candy that's either that's like. New Orleans Saints are is Hershey, Hershey chocolate. That's New Orleans. Okay, Saints. you got you kind of have to be in a mood. We'll you got to be we'll in a mood. You have to be yeah, in the we'll mood. Saints them. are literally alternating a dominant week after yeah, a trash. Just week. like oh, I have to be in a mood to win. All right, we'll see. Hershey chocolate. Brian like still needs chocolate. to pick his series. Also, Nick, you you uh, missed your best friend. Who's my best friend? Oh, 
Brian's friend. Brian's <laughs> yeah, you messed up. Shirtless, shirtless Joe. <laughs> shirtless Joe, the D lineman. <laughs> the streaker. <laughs> oh, oh, we're gonna get another guest oh, appearance. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> If you've ever seen a 10, that is that is that is what prime that is the prime male um shape. Yeah, that, that just that just screams alpha. If I had a draft of the top 10 buys, I'm taking that over Chris Evans. That's that's prime Arnold Schwarzenegger body right there. Facts. What that looks like. In his thirties. Like- All right, Brian. What what do you got? Sox Astros. Five. They don't lose a home game. Oh wow. Okay. I like that. I like yeah, that. but they lose road games. Unfortunately, that sucks. Hey, take one. Disrespect to Sale and Nate. On, Especially man. if Eddie Fastballs pitches Game Three. That's probably not going to be a good thing. Hey, he won at home. Eddie. Eddie. No, he's not Eddie Fastballs. He's Eddie Mister Nibbler. <laughs> Eddie batting practice. Eddie the Nibbler. <laughs> That cutter that doesn't cut, and he tries to paint the outside corner every pitch. I'm like, stop. Spinner. Yeah. And then two-seam that doesn't two-seam. Well, <laughs> Eddie Nibbler is better than Eddie right down the pooper and 550-foot bridge. Unfortunately, uh, when you keep nibbling, eventually it's going to, you know, you, you nibble the wrong side and boom. Or nibble and throw it right down the middle. Uh, as much as it pains me, I'm going to go Astros in seven. Just because the pitching has been so, uh, like, it's been so, uh, what's the word? Equivalent. Like, their pitching, this, their pitching numbers have been so equivalent. So, it really comes down to the lineup. And right now, the Red Sox lineup is hitting better, no doubt. But I like the Astros lineup a little bit better just because they're deeper. Like, they have freaking Kyle Tucker, who basically has a one-dot OPS hitting seventh in their lineup. It's ridiculous. I mean- we um, have what Alex Verdugo hitting like back there. We got Hunter Renfro hitting. Yeah, we, we had Hunter Renfro, like, which I take for, Kyle Tucker over Hunter Renfro every Series day. Dodgers in 2018, um, batting butt end of our order. My my thing is, their offensive numbers to the Astros are also super similar, and that's with freaking Kike hitting 435 and Verdugo basically hitting 350 and like yeah, all these guys. They're playing really well. I don't know how long it's going to last. I think this is going to be a very good series. That's why I'm going in seven because it really could go either way. I really don't know. But just right now on paper, I like the Astros lineup a little bit better because they have been there and the Red Sox, most of them haven't. Like they've been together, this Astros group, for a while. I feel like baseball don't really have to be together for a long time to be successful. It's not really that big of a team sport. It's not like football, like, oh, you got to mesh like through the whole off season in order to be successful. Like, no, you kind of just roll the balls out and hope. And so hope then I they just, I'm, guys just I'm, like connect. I misspoke. I guess the Astros have been in this situation a lot more than the Red Sox. And uh, that's obvious because this is their fifth straight ALCS. So well, we got guys like Verdugo first playoffs. Uh, Renfro was in the World Series last year, but really wasn't a rotational guy. Um, Kike has been in the World Series, but again, utility guy doesn't play every day. So, like, we got new guys to the to the playoffs. Kike is one of the most clutch, even before this year. Yeah, I get it. I get true. it. But it's a yeah, lot different. It's a lot different when you're coming off the bench, pinch he hitting, than much playing every. every... The Dodgers. That that guy was about as close. Here's the... my, my bottom line: is Dashers have been to five straight ALCSs. They know what's up. They know what to do. That's here's why. 
Do they? Um, well, uh, they only made two World Series, and they've won one of them. So I mean, so they cheated. So they they're, they're 50%. fifty percent. They're fifty. Yeah. Also, also, yeah. Jose Altuve in sending them series. to the World Series over the Yankees. Um, don't cut. Don't take off my shirt. They're still a really without cheating. That that's again. That's what. That's without why. Cheating, I, they lose. That's why. That's why I hated that so much. Is because without cheating, this lineup is still ridiculously good and one of the best in baseball. Uh, and then I, that made me super mad because they were all homegrown: Bregman, Correa, Altuve. Yeah. They like didn't trade for anyone. And their lineup was still really, really good. It's like it's like Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was ridiculous before he took steroids, and then he takes steroids, and everything's discredited. Like this Astros team was really, really good before cheating. Then they cheat. Now everything they do and did was is discredited. Yeah. It just sucks. I mean, Correa, Correa is is their best hitter in the playoffs. Oh yeah, he's so um, good. That'll be a big hit. I do think that I don't think he's going to resign. A lot of people don't have him resigning either. Um, a lot of people have going go to, to the, the Tigers. Oh, sleep on the Sox. A lot of people I don't are, want him on the Red Sox. A lot of people haven't gone to the Tigers. That's honestly why. So honestly, I, I feel that's, like that's with baseball, oh, actually makes sense. AJ, AJ Hinch. Hinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like with baseball, I mean, I could be totally wrong here, but some people could take more money over a better team, and I feel like that might not be the same situation with other sports i feel like baseball like if you're not in contention to really win a world series you just want to go out there and play baseball i feel like that's it so yeah there's no holding out like the freaking nfl here's the only thing about the red sox though that i do that needs to be said because it's something that the astros most people don't really understand is that you look at a team like houston they have been solid as nails all year. Um, they've just been the best team in that division, and they've done nothing but seemingly win. Um, the Red Sox have been grinding, absolutely grinding, since the trade deadline, since July 31st. This team has been grinding. Um, and it ended up – it turned up – it turned into an uphill climb to try and make it to the spot. And they had to win. They had to win a wild card game, a winner take all against Garrett Cole. They did that. They had to go and take on the Rays, who had the best record in the American League. They took them down in four games, three games to one. They took them the Rays. So I, I I say this just just throwing it out there. There's something in baseball about just culture that this team had in 2013 too. The whole beard thing. Everyone got along. There's this culture that teams Dancing had. on my own, that, baby. That's 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 that magic that I was talking about earlier. That it's just you can't find it in the stat sheet. There's nothing consistent about it, but you know it when you see it. And Red Sox know people are doubting them. They know that this is a chance to prove everybody, literally everybody, wrong. And just that factor almost puts pressure on the Astros to win. And it's just it's a complete reverse effect that this is happening really all oh, the Astros are the better team. They're favorite to win. Red Sox are under pressure. They got to, you know, this is a tough series to win. No, that's all true, but it's the Astros feel like the Red Sox, the, you got to realize the Red Sox have a much better culture right now than any team in baseball. And they're, they're, they're the, they're the, they're brought together right now. And it's almost like they have so much more momentum than Houston at the moment that they're ready to fight. 
So that needs to be said because that's the X factor. That's the it factor. And if that, if that shows up, you'll see it. If they're not getting blown out, you'll see it. Because this team's going to win the close game. This team's not going to lose a close game. We, we saw it. This team's going to win the close game. It's yeah. if Houston gets ahead early and just rolls with it. Now we got an issue. But you get the Red Sox to seven, eight, nine innings, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and it's a one-run game, two-run game, count it. Count it. Done. Yeah. Consider they it just, done. We, we, just, winning or losing, consider it done. They just That's grind the every game out. It's just so awesome to see because they have this underdog mentality, and it's just they're just a, such a fun team to watch. And really the key for them is just to get on the board early and really get to the bullpen. Because if you can get that starter out soon and you could do it early and often throughout the series, then you kind of set them up where you don't really, they don't really have a whole lot of guys that are fresh, ready to go once you get to games four, five, six. So if they can get to those starters early, which I mean, they have been pretty well with um, getting the offense going pretty quick. So I feel like that's the biggest key for them. It's another huge key is getting to that bullpen. I know the Astros have a good bullpen. Um, It's pretty deep throughout, but just getting that starter out of the game and putting pressure on the other team's relievers is, is big time. Yeah. I guess is the opposite approach of the first series against the Rays. The Rays, you wanted to keep starters in. Although again, at, at the beginning of the series, you wanted to, it turns out their relievers were horrible all series, but you kind of wanted to keep the race starters in at the beginning of this series. Now at the beginning of the Astro series, you want to kind of do the opposite and, and work counts work at bats. So that's the thing. I think we'll see a lot more at bats, three, two count or walks, three, two counts, trying to get pitch counts high. Whereas the Rays series, they're like, okay, we kind of want to keep these starters in. Let's swing at strikes because we're going to throw them and we'll get hit. So actually um, I think we'll see a little bit of different approach. Red Sox, completely changed their batting approach. I don't know if they did this on purpose. I think this was part of the momentum effect into the postseason. All the players seem a thousand percent more confident at the plate. Every, the approach of all nine hitters for Red Sox was that of each hitter was like riding a 20 game hit streak. Everyone was very, they, they were, every hitter was very confident at the plate, very patient drawing pitches and that was what was brought up in the Yankees series. The Yankees swing rate or, you know, swing percentage, whiff rate, whatever number was, uh, was they were like one. It, bottom line, that, that stat shows patience at the plate. The Yankees in the regular season were one of the top page, top five most patient teams at the plate. Red Sox, series, Red Sox wildcard game, they were the exact opposite of that. And the Red Sox, so the flip side, are one of the most aggressive teams in the league. Flip side, they were – Far and away the most patient team in the wildcard game. Far and away the most patient team every single game in the ALDS. Um, that was the big thing. So it, I would, whatever approach Alex Cora is preaching right now, I don't think they need. I don't think we need to say out loud. Oh, we need to start being patient at the plate because I think that approach is just something that happens naturally guys are seeing the ball better because they're more confident. I don't think that's an approach where a, where a flip just switches and all you're more patient. Um, you got guys, these players are seeing the ball better. They are taking good pitches, but at the same time, they're finding aggressive pitches to hit to go after it. We've seen, we saw uh, who at the home Schwarber against Garrett Cole. I swung at a home swung at a ball. It was like five feet up in the air, put it over the fence. Like 
they're they're take they're being aggressive on the pitches they know they can hit, and they're taking they're taking on the pitches they know they can't hit, which is something that they weren't doing the regular season. It's just the way they've been hitting recently, especially in the playoffs, that has gotten them this far too. And yeah. they play against Houston, boom, patience, get those starters out, put pressure on the bullpen. All of a sudden, the Astros are fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, I think a lot of that started. So obviously, game game one. And then they obviously lost and got blanked. And then you switch up the lineup. And then for game two, then you keep it two, three, four. And then they start winning. They start getting more hits. They start obviously get more runs. And I think that starts with the hometown man, Kyle from Waltham. Um, oh, yeah. Because he Not is just such a, he's such a patient guy um, at the plate. And I feel like that just like sets him up for success. I, I really love the move. I wasn't exactly sure why, but now I do. He's, he's got a super good eye at the plate and then he just knows when to pounce on a pitch. Um, and then I feel like his, the way that he starts games really sets up the team for really the rest of the inning. And then we can really get on him quick, which they have been doing that sets up the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. Play things to play what's been going on. That's what they're going to do. That's what you're going to see in the Astro series. Um, and I and I'm going to go back to the Rays. The Astros and the Rays play very similar games. They're it's and it's, but Houston's not as much as a track meet as it is with Tampa. Um, but Houston's going to get guys on base. Um, they're going to draw. They're going to draw walk. It's going to be very frustrating. You're going to get a lot of long at bats. Um, and the way to beat Houston is just to grind. Like the, the Red Sox weren't when they beat Houston in 2018. I really shouldn't be comparing these two teams. They're completely different. Not even but, close. But, go but, ahead. but you look at the way they beat Houston. It was they were they were getting big. They were getting runs early and they were getting mm-hmm. runs late. So, i.e., they were hitting the ball really well. That's how you beat a team like Houston. That you you're not gonna there. Noted. Hit ball well. When Check. you have such a weak lineup, a weak rotation that the Red Sox do, um, compared to Houston especially you're not going to win a pitcher's duel. And I, if they do, I'd be shocked. They're going to win. They got to hit home runs. That's, that's the key. Continue to hit the ball over the fence against Houston. Just hey, the good back. thing is, the good thing is all those monster home runs are hundred percent out at Houston with their stupid three, front JD Verdugo and Renfro. Back to back to back. The ones to right and left are the ones that are, Gonzo. Yeah. All their stupid. Did anyone see that? I saw the Astro series, the Jose Altuve, the breakdown, like all 30, whatever of his home runs, all but one of them were a dead left field. Yeah. He has one home run and it was the, I think it was either center field or the opposite field. No, no, no. It was to right field. One home run to right field, nothing to center field, everything to straight away left field. It was so, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, Anything else on this series or either of these two teams? No. All right, Sucks. cool. Um, I kind of want to go over quickly some of the other series. Obviously, we went Let's over the Astros. Jordan Speed. No. Okay, get the no. freak out of here. Um, obviously, we it's talked about the day. after. Okay, we obviously talked about some of the Strohs White Sox series. That's kind of not really anything special because the White Sox just didn't come ready to play. I mean, their pitching was horrible. Their bullpen was really bad. A top five probably bullpen in baseball in the regular season was really, really bad. Hendricks got hit around. Kimbrell got hit around. Kopech got hit around. And then just their starters like Lance Lynn 
as I, I picked, we picked that game. I thought Lance Lynn was going to do well. Completely forgot that dude throws 93% fastballs and the Astros are the best fastball hitting team in the majors. So that was a recipe for disaster for Chicago. Um, their hitters did fine. They weren't spectacular. They weren't awful as a team. They hit 291 and that's the second highest. Um, they just hit a lot of singles. They only had three home runs, and I think two of them were Gavin Sheets. So that's not going to win you a, a series. Um, the next series was the, uh, what was it? Brewers Braves. Now, this I series stupid. I was very surprised about. <laughs> it was probably one of the worst series of all time because it was super boring. Um, but I thought there was going to be a lot better series than it turned out to be. Milwaukee I, I knew their lineup wasn't like fantastic, but holy ball, six runs in four games. That's horrible. Yeah, uh, well, Christian Yelich has fallen ball. off the biggest the cliff of all time. Horrible. Their best hitter was Willie Adamas, and he didn't even yeah, hit and, the and, 300 mark. And the Braves aren't known to have or the, the Braves aren't known to have the best pitching staff in baseball last I checked. No, the the Braves no, well the they Braves had like a sub. The Braves as a team at a one five four in the yeah. series, not in the, in the series. season. No, not the regular season. Yeah. It's just that Brewers team, man. Where the six runs were Rowdy Tellez homers. Yeah, they were all Rowdy. Rowdy Tellez had two hits all series, two homers, and those were pretty much their entire runs. Um, six score runs scored, one ninety two average as a team. And again, their their lineup when you look at it, like it isn't that good. Um, you just were in a division with the Cardinals who struggled. To begin, they had a really nice set, uh, second half. Obviously, last month was ridiculous. Um, and then other teams like uh, who the heck else? The Pirates are obviously horrible. The Cubs, Cubs. are horrible. Um, and then what's the last team? Why the am Reds. I playing? Oh, the Reds. The Reds. The Reds who also Reds. kicked. They shot themselves in the foot late in the year. Um, it was really carried by Corbin Burns and the pitching staff, who they weren't horrible, the starters, um, but the relievers weren't great. And then you already know you're going to lose a series when Hader gets taken deep for a game-winning home run. Like that right there, your guy who's probably the best reliever in baseball, Freddie Freeman takes him deep in the eighth inning. Like that, at that point, I mean, obviously the series is over because that was game four and the Braves were up two to one. Um, but what things like that happen, you're normally not going to win the series. So very pathetic showing from the Brewers. I won't say the whole team, just the offense, and they kind of need to figure things out in the offseason. The last series, and we can spend a little bit more time on this because there's a game tonight, but Dodgers-Giants, the classic NL matchup where nobody scores runs and the games are one to nothing. Uh, They're going to game, I was about to say game seven because it's an elimination game, but game five tonight. um, Does anyone have any thoughts on this game? Um, We obviously had some, but we kind of spilled them out in our group chat, but it's going to be a jury of a game. It's um, just so stupid. The Giants or the pot, the Dodgers are going with a reliever to start the game. We know that. Um, we kind of know what to expect after that. Um, after that, uh, Urias Uri- is probably going to come in. Um, but outside of the first trip through the order, we don't really know what's going to happen. We know the Dodgers are going to spill. They're going to spill. Use a lot of pitching. It's an elimination game. And it's the, the craziest thing is that, you know, the beginning of the year, I was saying, oh, the Dodgers are going to win 120 games or some crap like that. And I here they are on the road in an elimination game fighting for their life. That's, that's the crazy part. 
Um, because of all teams, the Giants come all the way through to have the best record in baseball. So uh, if, any, if that tells you anything, it's, you know, this baseball season was a year for a crazy, crazy things to happen. We saw the Mariners almost make the playoffs. We saw the Cardinals win 19 out of 20 or 19 out of 21 to end the year to make the playoffs. The Dodgers didn't even win their division. It was the Giants of all teams that had the best record in baseball. The wild card team Red Sox, who no one thought squad of, ends up in the ALCS. So, if anything that this series tells you is that this year was far and away the craziest year I've ever I've ever witnessed baseball. Yeah. So I I personally so I think the Giants are going to win tonight. Um, but I have a question over like the whole like last year and a half. Um, has anyone noticed the champions that have happened in the last? year and a half excluding football it's Tampa Bay. the best oh, it's the best team football. it's the best team in the league outside of football it's the best team in the league every single time it was tampa bay twice the lightning it was the los angeles lakers and then it was the los angeles dodgers with no fans i feel like that's kind of weird simply because i mean obviously there weren't fans there so i'm thinking Fans obviously have a huge impact. So, I mean, it's just so weird because obviously, I don't even know. I'm yeah. just so confused. COVID years uh, allowed. So that that's the power of the fans. That shows yeah, that. I just thought it was super confusing. The fans create a lot of that magic that you don't see where upsets happen, where rallies begin. It's all, it all starts in the crowd. So when the fans got taken away, best team won, best roster won, because there's no home field advantage. Best roster won. There's no pressure. Um, put the fans back in, we got something completely different. We got a whole entire new factor that is playing a huge role in, in games now. That's the fans. And now we're getting upsets. The Red, <laughs> if you're telling me the fans didn't play an impact – in the Red Sox race series, you're crazy. Rays had no fans. They dropped one at home. That was a crucial game. They go to Boston in a sea of Red Sox fans. They come out losers. There you go. If you need proof, there it is. The, uh, Rays, the Rays are the only good team that was probably used to it simply because they don't have any fans. And you look at, look at previous seasons. Who won before 2020? The Nationals of all teams. They rallied behind their crowd and beat the Astros. Um, uh, who, who won? Oh, a Toronto, <laughs> the Raptors, right? Rallying behind their yeah. crowd. That whole whatever jive they had in Canada, it worked. They won the finals. Golden State was a juggernaut. We're not even going to talk about that. We'll, we'll, get, we'll skip four years of basketball. We'll go uh, football. Uh, we can skip right. the rest. We get the point. I don't even need to talk about football. I can't. Really yeah, they didn't. They didn't go. really have like a no, like a no fans championship. Exactly. So, Ryan, what were you gonna say about five minutes ago? That's a great question. Um, Dodgers Giants game Dodgers, five. Giants. Dodgers Giants. Oh, I find it funny how if the Dodgers win, the team with twenty less wins will be hosting them. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Eighteen still. Yeah, that's same so thing. weird. I um, wish I wish baseball. Although I do like I I, I you know it, it's nice to have a change up. The you know 
I, I would say this. I, I wish baseball kind of held the similar thing that the NBA has, where there's divisions almost seem irrelevant now. It's not. I at the same time I wish it Actually, didn't happen the because I need about I, baseball. I need a new. I need like yeah, kind of like creates the rivalries. I like different pl- playoff formats, um, but that's so. But if there's any argument against ha- the format the only have right now, it's the fact that the Dodgers are better than the Braves in almost every aspect of baseball, and they're going to not have home field advantage. That's the best part about baseball. You got to win your division. Yeah. Win that squat, bro. Yeah, but, I mean, the Dodgers did – the Dodgers – what are you gonna do when the team that wins the division wins as many games as the win Giants? Win two more games. Gotta win. Did. Gotta win the division, man. <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing with the Yankees. The Yankees won hundred games twenty eighteen. Then that one, they were eight games out winning the division. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Those socks. Yeah, socks. Um, my thoughts on this game. I really don't know who's gonna win this. It's gonna be a tough game. Um, obviously we know that. Well, Canadians, if you knew, I hope you tell us the order. Yeah. Spoil it for me. I mean, I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. If you knew who's gonna win this game, tell me so I can throw money on that team. Facts. Yes, I will. When when I if in the next hour, if I know, the then I'll, Nick I'll let Party's you know. Got to throw all his money at it. Um, well, if, if it's I, a for if, if it's if a for I, sure thing, it's if not I knew a the Dodgers were gonna win tonight, I I put the house a bank account on the Dodgers because I know yeah, they're facts. gonna win. Exactly, um, I mean, it's not betting if you, you know win. the outcome. Exactly, so we know it's not betting. What am I gambling on? Nothing for the Dodgers, and then probably go to Urias. On the other side, the Giants have Logan Webb, who last time Logan Webb pitched seven and two thirds, five hits, 10 strikeouts, zero earned. Do I think he's going to go seven and two thirds again? Absolutely the frick not. But <laughs> if he gives you three or four absolutely solid, the frick not. absolutely the frick not. If he gives you three or four solid innings, which he's more than capable of doing, you saw that he did seven and two thirds in game one. That sets up the Giants bullpen really well. So they can go to guys like Doval and um, and uh, I don't know if uh, Leon is available. Like they can go to their bullpen and not have to waste as many guys. Um, again, they're going to be very careful third time around the order, like or second time around the order. Even like Dodgers are probably going to be. Um, but Logan Webb is is a very very good pitcher, and both bullpens are really good. I don't know. I have a feeling this is going to be another classic, like it has been all series. One nothing, two to one, three to two, low low scoring game because that's just what the National League is. Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, I'm still mad about this. Um, obviously, analytics come into play. You have the you have the pitcher that won the most games, and you're not starting him. I think that that's the most stupid the nerds thing. Nerds are going to lose do. the game, baby. That's what's yeah, going to happen. That's exactly what Kevin Cash did last year. I think, I think <laughs> we need to look at wins and say, Arias is 20 wins. That's a, that's a two-way street because he's got – I mean, the bats have to do something if he wants. We saw Jacob deGrom a few years ago had a losing record. Yeah, take Rick Porcello. Like he had 22 ERA. wins and won the Cy Young and had like a, what, three? Exactly. So you know, like he was mediocre. They, they he won. Ton of wins. The, we the start he had this series, they won nine to two. We can't, we can't, no, I, I get that, but we can't say, but you look, you look at that start, Arias got, got hit a little bit early and then, you know, the offense ended up regaining. They only let up two runs. He got hit Continue, a little bit early. Because I have something that I've been waiting since two o'clock to say. Continue, Nick. No. Oh. Okay. So I I think that the if you we can't focus solely on his wins and say oh he needs to start because of his record, um because that's a two way street. 
bats bats don't wake up and he pit he throws a shutout he doesn't get squat if the I mean, well I guess not a shutout but if he throws you know seven scoreless and the offense doesn't score either well you know he might gets no decision so um it, it's it's stuff like that where you you can't where I think that the start you know it, it's got to be a, it's got to be trust um, do the Dodgers fully trust that if they start Julio Urias in this game that they're going to win? Do they have 100% trust in them? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. They're not starting him. But I know for sure, and I text this, that Dave Roberts sat down with Julio Urias and made sure he's 100% confident coming out of the bullpen, or else he wouldn't, or else he probably would have started him. I think he said okay. this is a this is a matchup thing. Okay, we don't want you to start against the top of this order. We don't need them getting hot. We need to be the first team to score. We're going to put a righty in who they haven't hit well against the series. He's going to blank them in the first inning. Then we're going to throw you in. You can start with the bottom half of the order, and we might work in the top half, but that will probably be it after you. We'll put in someone – we'll put in other guys. This is a must-win game, and you have to understand that. Probably said, yeah, we had to say I yes. hope the starter gets rocked against five earned because that's just so stupid. Okay, you got to trust so, – you got to go with your best guy. So Simple then go as with that. Max Scherzer. Um, the what I my thought. I don't so agree this either. Is, Q. I don't agree either. So okay. So this this is what this is what I felt. I was gonna text this, but a it was too long, and b I was just like, oh wait. Um, I'm in the middle on analytics. Some of them I like. Some of them I do not like at all. This is very similar, right? Like I'm glad you brought up Kevin Cash because the thing with Kevin Cash was he had Blake Snell on the mound and he was dealing in an elimination game in the World Series. Just like this is an elimination game here tonight. The difference in both of these games are the Dodgers currently have a 2.05 ERA, team ERA. Their relievers are shoving. Everyone that comes out of the bullpen has done amazing. Trine and Gratterall, Kelly, like all of them have played, pitched really, really well. If you're Kevin Cash in the world series, you have to take your numbers from, I think it was because it was game six. You have to take those numbers of your relievers from games one through five. You keep Snell out there because you have Nick Anderson that you're going to go to who had a nine ERA in that series. Fairbanks who had a six, seven, five ERA in that series. Josh Fleming, who had a six, seven, five ERA in that series. Aaron loop who had a seven, seven, one ERA in that series. So you, you have, have guys in that. What? Before. How much free time do you get? to do this stuff. I it's amazing. Okay. Um, but you have those guys coming out of the bullpen. You're better off going with Snell third time around the order than these guys who have struggled all series long for the giants or for the giants, for the Dodgers. However, you can go to these bullpen guys with confidence because they have pitched really well in the series and their numbers look really, really good. That's the only reason why I would go, uh, with the analytics part in this game and go every other inning or every inning, try to continue to get new guys Binder in because Luke. you trust them. What? What? Binder? Here's the thing, though. Binder Luke. Oh, Binder this, Luke. Yeah, I'm half Binder. You can split the Binder in half. You can take a few pages out. This is why I it's, disagree. Yeah, he's only a 150-sheet guy, not 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I disagree with uh, Knable. This is my reason. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go start with the counterpoints because I get her he's I get Arias is young and I get what you're saying about uh just the confidence in the pen, um the analytics, all that baloney, but I as someone who seen a fair share of Dodger games this year, 
just because Julio Arias has, I think it's a Dodger fan. He's lying to us. I, I am a huge Dodger fan. Julio Arias has like, I think six or seven different outings where he's no hit the lineup. The first three innings, perfect game gone right through. He's done that like six. That's his thing. The thing Arias struggles six through or five, four, five through six, seventh innings. That's his, that's just hits like hits a wall right there. So he's such a good starter in games where he gets off to these hot starts. He's dealing, guys can't figure him out. That it's you almost want to, well, you, you almost you, you almost just want to start him. You should start him. Because of that reason, um, boom. I don't. Here's, I okay. approach though, ahead, right? because if you like if you're going out with like a guy who like you're like oh he could get us one to two innings confidently in the first two innings of the game like with a knocked shutdown reliever. If you're a team with a lot of shutdown relievers and then you throw your starter who you're like yeah he's going to give us three to four nails boom right there now you're already in the seventh inning like why not do that That's why true. Not split it up. Why not? That's true. You see the Red Sox doing that. Nick Pavetta comes in the game, looks like the best reliever in baseball. Oh, he's exactly. a star with a four-four in the regular season. Like, but he comes the in other- and the same thing. Twenty eighteen, Nathan Navaldi, game three of the World Series, a starting pitcher comes in to relieve, throws like five shutout innings or give one run the walk off, but, Six but pit, like great, years. pitch great. Yeah. So I, I, that's true. That's the thing. True. So and then the other I thing agree. is, I switched my, sides. Sorry, Q, the I other thing, sides. it makes yeah, sense. The other, the other thing that is a little bit, um, I don't know if it's, this is probably the least important thing, but it still should be talked about is um, majority of the uh, Giants hitters and Giants good hitters are right-handed. So if they start with Urias, they can stack the the lineup with right-handed hitters. Um, but if you start with someone like Knable, who's a righty, then you kind of have to go to left-handed hitters um, and then, you get Urias against more left-handed hitters than right-handed hitters. Again, that's not as important, but that could also be a small factor in it. I feel also, like you have your starters. Like I feel like you're not going to take out a bunch of your starters simply because the, Giant, the Giants have like 13 starters. They mix their lineup up. Okay, so then you can easily just pinch hit them. You could, but then well, those guys are you? out of the game in the second, third inning. And okay, you it's, also you you get to choose between two guys like. You're either yeah, in tough, the game but... or you're not. So, so it, it just depends on whether you pull them and when you pull them. When you, when we, if I, when I look at it from a broad perspective, I see that this is, this is Julio Rios has already started in this game, this series. So it's not, in my opinion, like this is his first trip around the batting order. Now I started to rethink, rethink it after I said the whole uh, perfect three innings uh, thing couple minutes ago i started to rethink it because this is not his first trip through the batting order this is he pitched a few days ago against this team this team mm-hmm. knows how he throws the baseball they know how he and pitches. they're in the same division i bet so he then why does three games so then why does it matter if he starts or not just because the, just the why does it matter when he is, goes in this is why just, it messes up the flow leadoff hitters are going to hit anything so you throw in a dominant reliever a guy they don't see very often to kind of mess up their flow. Middle of the hitters are, are the guys that, you know, 
they've they've been watching the pitcher. Blah blah. blah. They're not used to hit. They they hit in the middle for a reason. They don't because they don't hit leadoff. That's why they hit in the middle. That's simple as that. That's the simplest you could ever be. So you put a starter in against the middle of the order. It's almost like they're leading off the game, and they that messes up their flow. You leave that starter in for about half the order because you're supposed to get them out. That's the reason. It's a, it's a whole mess of the flow thing. And now I think about it. Why don't the teams just do that every game? Um, I don't have an answer for that, but this is a whole mess up the flow thing. Be very confusing. Kind of it's, it's, it's almost like the Dodgers are playing to playing to win the game in the first three innings. They play to they, win the game. They're playing to win this game in the first three innings. They're not trying to, they're not trying to drag this game out. They are going Knable one, Arias two, three. They are expecting this, these two pitchers to blow through the order like nothing. And they are expecting the offense to hit Logan Webb early. And once you get that early lead on the Giants, then you start playing your bread and butter. Then you throw in Max Scherzer. Then you throw in your dominant relievers. And then all of a sudden, the Giants find themselves in the seventh inning, finally done with Max Scherzer or whoever. Oh, wait, we're down 3 nothing. How are we playing? And you get Drew Star and Kenley and Joe How do we Kelly. Do and what is Trinan happening? And-, and we got three more guys coming in with sub twos. Because they have not gotten into a group. The, the, the way to beat the Dodgers, the way we've seen teams beat the Dodgers, uh, take out the outliers, is they get, especially Urias, they get through the second and third time of the order. They start to see him better. They start to hit. The Dodgers are completely eliminating that chance. The Dodgers are saying, Dodgers are saying if the Giants beat us, it's because they hit, guy, they hit our pitchers early. If they don't expect that to happen. That that chances is very low because the Dodgers pitching the Dodgers pitching staff is so deep and so so good. So the goal is the giant for the Dodgers is to shut them out as early as possible. Let the and hope the offense does something. It all it all this is they're all throwing all their marbles into the offense right now. They're saying we're staying we're staying our offense up to score runs early and win the game in the first three innings. If they can't do that, we got an issue. I think they will do that. That's why I think the Dodgers are going to win, win the game tonight. But that's the reason why Arias is not starting. It's to create as much confusion, as much as, – as just as much confusion as possible within that Giants order to stall three innings, four innings, so they can pitch with a lead. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest that's, – that's it. Now it makes sense to me. Now it makes sense. Now we go over it all, it makes sense to me. Yeah. We got anything else? Go Sox. Okay. Do you do you have questions, Q? Um. So we went over a few of them. Yeah. We'll snap um, about baseball. Quick. We'll snap. Obviously. So so I was gonna talk about obviously Boston and Houston. We went over that. Talking about um, Dodgers Giants. Obviously went over that too. Um. So I wanted to go over to the NFL if we're done. Um. Football. If we're done with the, uh, we are. the MLB part. So, all right, my first question is... Ryan, why are you like Bill Belichick right now? Going for like an hour and a half. Hey, but this, right is, this has been solid. Okay. All right, so... Solid part. Right. Solid, solid, solid part. All right, Brady's I'll start off... easily driving down the field like an absolute beast. Yeah. I'll start off with Nick here. Okay, um, Nick and Nick only. I'm going to put a one-minute timer, so you got to get your stuff out quick. <laughs> all right, Nick. This is all right. We'll go Nick, Brian, Luke, me. That's okay. just how I see it on the screen. That's what we're going with. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about who is the MVP through five weeks. Nick, who is your MVP so far? Nick, one big minute. Trust, don't like ramble. Go. Like, big trust. Like I said, at the start of the game, when that guy gets the ball in his hands, he's the best player in football 
and we're seeing he is actually showing that he can make comeback wins. He's showing he can throw the ball. He's got the fifth most passing yards in the league. He's preventing the turnovers, at least through the air, and he's still dominant over the run. That offense is humming. Lamar Jackson might be close. Actually, it's close, but, you know, I love him. Oh, there's only 20 seconds. Good job, Nick. Wow. You're welcome. Uh, Brian? This is a tough one. I think it's three guys right now. Um, it's hard because it's always like, oh, is it is it going to be like the NBA, which the NFL usually is, you know, they – in that quarterback right now um or it's herbert because i think the Chargers without herbert are average kyler murray i I don't know yeah i don't know i like him a lot but like i don't know i just they just their defense is really good and i feel like he had a very quiet this week yeah what they went 17 to 10 yeah against what san fran yeah so i don't know this guy brady's pretty elite yeah might be him uh luke uh, I'm, I don't believe this, but I'm just going to go Kyler just because he was my preseason pick. Um, he's been, had a good year, definitely, but he's kind of slowed up after he had what, like four touchdowns in the first game. Um, he only has 10 right now, which is decent with a few rushing touchdowns as well. And then his sixth right now in passing yards. Um, right now I would probably have to go someone like Matt Stafford. Um, but I, I'm just going to stick with. Kyler Murray because he is was my preseason pick. Get in the end zone. Stafford. Okay. So I got I got a little uh little part about who I got about who I got for the MVP as of right now. And then I also have a contradictory thing that could get us into a little bit more of a debate. Um someone is not gonna like my take here. Um after after I do my MVP pick. Um I'm gonna go with Justin Herbert. And I'm going to go with that simply because he's been on a roll. He's had, I think it's three straight games with at least three touchdowns and no picks. Um, And they're winning this year, which I mean, they, he had a game winning drive last year against Uh, Cleveland and 16 touchdowns for Tom. Okay, cool. Um, So he, the chargers were in a lot of really close games last year, but they just couldn't seem to get wins. This year is totally different simply because Justin Herbert is that guy now. He could lead game-winning drives. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He can sling it. He's athletic. He can be, He's mobile in the pocket. He can get out, run for a little bit. Um, I think he's the best. He's the MVP at the moment. And then I do have a little thing that might upset uh, Nick here. Uh, saying that Lamar Jackson is super overrated at uh, right now. He's a bum. This season. So I did a little research just to see if I was correct. So I watched every single throw against the Colts. I'm going to assume um, you were correct because or else you wouldn't be saying this. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I watched, get to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched every, I watched every single pass that Lamar Jackson threw. Uh, 30 out of 37 completions were with a defender two yard, two or more yards away from the receiver. Obviously it was just a little bit of a guesstimate, but you could kind of judge from the yard markers on the field. Um, and then four of those 30 completions, obviously it's not a whole lot, but he had some pretty easily easy throws. So they're really, it was a bad throw. Mark Andrews had a really good one handed catch. And then he also let a few receivers out to dry. Had some pretty easy passes, made some guys jump for him. A couple guys got hit pretty big. Um, so it was only three of eight on third down. That's not very good. Um, 
he was only hit five five times the entire game. The O-line was super solid for him. Um, also, in the first half, he also did nothing. Um, There's three quarters. Yeah, honestly. Um, so let's look at the teams that he's beaten. Uh, the Chiefs put up 36. They're the second worst defense in yards, the second worst per game, and then they're dead last in points per game. Uh, the Broncos, they have a pretty good defense. Uh, I think he put up 23 on them. Uh, the Colts, they're the 15th best in yards, ninth worst in points per game. Um, and then Lamar Jackson has eight passing touchdowns, 10 total touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes has 16 passing, and there are a bunch of guys that have more than 12 passing touchdowns on the year. Uh, same amount of rushing touchdowns as Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, and Trevor Lawrence. And Jack Lamar Jackson so far this year is not top 10 in passer rating. He's not top three in any statistical category. Um, and he was not in the MVP conversation up until he had one good game this year. Uh, he almost lost, thank God, for a 66-yard field goal against the Lions. Let's, let's not forget about that. He hasn't been the best player. Um, he, had, he, was the best, he was the best player last week, and I would even say – that's more on the Colts that. than it is on him. Yeah, and I would say, I would say that more on even maybe Justin Herbert takes the best player yeah. last week. Um, so really, it, the whole Lamar Jackson MVP is all recency bias based off of last week. Um, he is not a top five quarterback. He's not top five in anything other than yards. He sucks. So he is far and away the most elusive quarterback in football. He goes okay. up. He he runs up. Uh, he's up there with running backs as the mo- as some of the one of the best runners in the league, and he's up there amongst the running backs. So when you have something as deadly as that, they mind you, they don't they don't have a they don't have a trustworthy backfield in my opinion. I'm not calling Latavius Murray to lead back, and he doesn't play enough. Um, so they're doing this without a real threat on the ground between the tackles. Um, they're doing this without a defense. The defense has not been great. It's one of the worst of the year. They're not forcing turnovers like they did last year. They're allowing a lot of yards. The Ravens, all but one of their wins, because they kind of dusted off, they kind of dusted the Broncos, came at the, came at the foot of Lamar Jackson, and he came through. They needed Lamar Jackson at the end to beat the Chiefs. That was all Lamar. We're not The defense did nothing to help. Kansas City put up 30, 35 points. Um, the run game was not working for Baltimore, uh, well, running backs. I know Kansas City has a bad defense, but when but there's the, but the difference between good quarterbacks and great quarterbacks is the ability to win games like that against the Chiefs, against Mahomes. You, you know what you know they're the defending champs. You know what happens, what, what it means if you win. And he came through twice. Comeback win, too. Came through. Twice in that game, when they needed to get him a first down and fourth down, he did that. I don't care how he does it, but he did it. When they needed, they look. He what? He didn't look great against the Lions. I'm gonna call a spade a spade, but the Lions have been a thorn in the side of all all the all the teams and they played here. They're not a good team, but they they've been annoying. And he got kind of bailed out by his kicker, but he let down the game drive. You look at he couldn't he couldn't get week. his kicker on the on. The, on the Detroit when he drives, side he of the, the field, 44. You look at the wrong 44. This, you look at this past <laughs> week. They were playing the Colts. They were down early. They looked terrible. He completely tore up that defense 
completely ripped isn't good. shreds in a span of a quarter. It was a guaranteed score every single time. He looked elite. So the reason I'm calling him the most valuable player is because there's no one else on his team that's really doing much besides him. There, he is the focal point, absolute focal point of that offense. If they have anybody else under center, I even say Patrick Mahomes under center, they're not winning, though. I don't think they're winning all those games, personally. Personally. You know, I, I think Mahomes is overrated, by the way. I've always thought oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Juiced up because of Kelsey. Oh, Hill. yeah. I think he's completely juiced up and that coaching staff. Um, but um, I don't think there are – I think there are very few quarterbacks, very, very few quarterbacks in the league, if there are any, that do the kinds of things that he does um, and have, especially this past year, have been able to go four and one. Um, And I tell you what, if he beats out Justin Herbert this week, because I can guarantee you that defense won't win that game, he is – Jumping Herbert. I mean, he is far and away the MVP if he thus far. It's very early. But it, it's just the way that he owns that team offensively. He is the only player that wins this team games. That's why he's the most valuable player in the league. Most valuable. Um, doesn't have the best stats. And you said it yourself. I don't believe the MVP should be about the best stats. Yet here you are countering my claim about Lamar Jackson is not the MVP by telling me he's not top five in any statistical category but well it's not the best stats i thought i thought the mvp wasn't the best stats so what i'm what i'm looking at is a guy that is literally the entire team the baltimore ravens he is that entire team they're not a good defending team they don't have great weapons overall they don't have a running game or backfield i should say it is is all him he is that backfield i mean clearly he's the passing game and it shows it shows that they are four and one for a reason and that's not, it's probably not going to hold because their defense is so bad. But Lamar, if continuing to win these close cover behind games, um, it shows how valuable he is to this team because no other quarterback, I, I personally don't think any other quarterback does the things he does, all of them. No one can match that. I, that's, just, that's just me personally. Yeah. Before, um, before we move on, I'll just say one quick thing because Nick took about 80 years to get that out. Um, the only thing is I am not siding with Nick in terms of I think he's the MVP, but I think, I think he is getting – I don't think anyone does. No, no, no. Um, but I think he's getting a lot better, and I always said that he would be one of the scariest quarterbacks in the league if he learned how to throw. Um, he right now already has through five weeks. He has two 300-plus uh, passing yard weeks, and you can count three because he had – I mean, I'm not going to count three because it didn't happen, but he had 287 against Detroit and Marquise Brown dropped a few balls. So that could have easily been a 300 plus yard game. And he had zero of those last season. So he is considerably a better passer this year than he was last year. And I said, once he gets learns how to throw the ball, he's going to be very scary. And to complement that, it's only three picks. You would think it's a lot more, but he's getting a lot more accurate and he's getting a lot better thrower. That's all I want to say. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's not getting better. He's definitely becoming a better quarterback, in my opinion. Um, I just think that a lot of that comeback, um, well, first off, hats off to the defense for not giving up any points. And then also um, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown both had really good games. Um, A lot of the game plan was about just really sitting in zones that 
were unoccupied and then Lamar Jackson just found them. And a lot of the credit has to be given to Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. Oh, am I allowed to give a lot of the credit to Mike Williams? Why Justin Herbert's so good? Cause I'll tell you what, that guy goes up for a jump. Ball yeah. Down. He brings it yeah. right down. Amazing fantasy pick by this guy right here. Like it's nothing. He brings yeah, it right down. Like okay. Yeah. So am I allowed to debunk your Justin Herbert claim by saying, Oh, he's got Mike Williams putting up all these numbers every game, but one Mike Williams. He's going up and getting these jump balls. Justin Herbert doesn't have to be great to be thrown to Mike Williams. Guy brings down everything. He's got Keenan Allen. All right. He's got guys to throw the ball to. Mark Jackson doesn't. Yes, he does. Not really. You're calling, call, look me in the eye and tell me Marquise Brown's an elite receiver. Um, he's not, but the game plan for him was really good. If, I, I, did, you, I, I, did you watch the game? Yeah. I have been fancy. I watched the game. Damn straight. I watched the game. I got Lamar okay, and fancy. Well, well, I lost you- two leagues when I was up by 70. I, I, I scored one seventy one and got fifty piece. Let if, me know how that happened. If you watched, if you watched the Ravens defense, you could have seen, you would have seen that in the last, in the fourth quarter, you could have seen that the game plan really switched around and it was really solid. So, we Luke, you talk about how dangerous Lamar Jackson is when he learns to throw. Did you yeah. see how good he was in the second half? That's Lamar Jackson. I wasn't watching, well. but I just see imagine, which I think he will. If he could continue throwing the ball like he did in the second half against the Colts game, he scored how many points? In a, he scored a ton of points, ton of points. And that's what I saw was the best quarterback in the league, especially in the second half. That's why he's he doesn't have the best stats. With we've clearly all come to a conclusion, an agreement over time that the MVP should not be the guy who has the best stats in your in our opinions. So I see a guy that's more valuable than anyone on his team. I think. Justin he's, Herbert's got weapons. I think Justin Herbert's got far better weapons. He's got a, got a running back too. Um, I see, um, um, I see Patrick Mahomes similar deal. Uh, same thing with Stafford. Stafford's got a defense. Lamar the, does the not Rams have, defense hasn't been that good. This Lamar year. doesn't have a defense. Okay, doesn't have a good one of the worst defense. Like statistically, one of the worst one of the worst defenses in the league. And you you say Lamar Jackson's performance against the Lions was bad. Um, they should have blown him out because Marquise Brown dropped like three touchdowns. So um, that, that should have been a blowout. Shouldn't be, you know, we're playing a shoulda, coulda, woulda game. That should have been a blowout. He, his numbers would have been absolutely juiced off the wall at, at the moon if Marquise Brown caught those balls. Um, and he's 4-1 and one with this team right now. And what is showing right now is that no lead is safe with Lamar Jackson. Um, that is the mentality that we had with – I'm not comparing him, not comparing him. But that's the mentality that we had when we had Tom Brady as the Patriots quarterback. No lead is safe when 12 Whoa, whoa, put those big bucks away, kid. Oh, it, no need like to flash your bills. big Sorry, I just have my hand. Bills. Um, no lead is safe when Lamar Jack is on the field. That is elite quarterback status right there. No yeah. lead is safe. We can, we can finish with this. I'll be super quick. Um, I just think that Justin Herbert's had more volume. Um, you're basing, oh, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in this one half that he's had this year. You asked me who's the best quarterback of this one half of this year. Oh, in one half of that one game. In one half of one game of this year. Okay. okay. Actually, one quarter. Actually, one quarter. Yeah. You could also so okay, a game and a quarter. I'll give I'll give them the uh, the Kansas City game. That was really good. That was very good. Um, and. Then we have he hasn't looked like an MVP other other than other than those five quarters. He's had five quarters of MVP football, and Justin Herbert has had eight quarters in the last two games. Mm, well, cool. I think Herbert. I think Herbert's Herbert's numbers are 
and we, I'm saying this just like Patrick Mahomes, Herbert's numbers, again, if you give Herbert, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown and no run game and a very bad defense, I don't think he's doing anywhere close to what Lamar Jackson's doing with what he has. You give Lamar Jackson, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, um, <clears throat> he's going to look very good. <clears throat> I don't know how much <clears throat> better he would look, Hold honestly, on. because, you know, obviously we know throwing isn't a strength, but um, I think he'd look better. It just the thing about Lamar Jackson is that you don't, why he's most valuable is that he is so much of the centerpiece of that offense that you don't need to surround him with weapons for him to be good. You don't. He's just going to be that's nasty just, regardless. That's just so funny. Like you talk about a quarterback, oh, throwing isn't his strength. Like that's just that's just the but most hilarious passing yards. That's just the so. most hilarious thing. Well, then clearly he's fine passing. Oh, his passing passing is know, not his strength. We know for a fact that <clears throat> let's 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 not act stupid. We know for a fact Lamar Jackson is not as good as passer as he should be, as most quarterbacks should be. That's not his strength. He's getting better, but I I'm not going to sit here like a fool and call him an elite passer. I mean, let's be real here. Lamar Jackson. We know he's not an elite passer, but he's so, so good of a runner, so tough to tackle that it's just you put those things together as a mediocre passer, an unbelievable runner, and you get a guy that's a, literally in a team's tire offense in him, which is why he's the MVP. All right. Thank you. What a presentation. Uh, I'm assuming that's it. Final thoughts. Yes. Go, Pats. Go, uh, Sox. No, no picks. Oh. No, we don't yeah. have time. We, we we, do what do you mean we don't, don't have time? time. Okay, what do you mean we don't have time? It's 845. <laughs> what, do you have a bedtime to get to? Oh, Jesus Luke has a girlfriend we don't know about. Yeah, right. getting a ta- Yeah, it's called uh, Game 5 NLDS. Uh, it starts oh, at 9. Give me a break. We got 14 Four. minutes, my guy. Ever. No, actually, uh, 21 minutes. starts at 9.07. Exactly. Nick, thank you. I won't lie to you. I kind of forgot about the last two weeks of picks, picks, and I didn't write them down, so I have no freaking clue what they are. Good job. Uh, you're all next year. Um, best part about even... that, we these are these are recorded, so you can go back. Yeah, you can almost <laughs> yeah. like take the recording like like and I'll... then watch it, like I'll do or that. listen to it. Got me. Um, yeah, there's you could go to Apple Podcasts, and if you search up the Big Four <laughs> podcast, yeah, they just might be there. All right, what are we picking on? We don't even know. Why don't you just go on Podbean and listen to the Big Four podcast? Podbean. <laughs> Podbean. Um, let's look at our juegos. Um, NFL. Wow, these are these Pack are kind of these you are kind of Packers versus the uh, Packers candy corn. Sure, Packers candy. <laughs> no, corn. not Packers what candy corn. Packers bears. If that's not Packers all across the board, we obviously got Chargers, Ravens, Cardinals, Browns. Luke, your Luke, your connection is. I know that's bad. fine. Let's do Back. Chargers, Ravens, Cardinals, Browns, Bills, Titans. Okay, fine, Nick. Whatever the first yeah. one you said. Wait, was. did you say so, Cardinals? Cardinals, Cardinals, Browns. Those are sweeps Chargers, across the board Cardinals, for me. Browns, Bills, Titans. What was the first one? So Chargers, Ravens. Chargers, Ravens. Nick, who do you have? Ravens. Okay. Chargers. Andrew. Chargers. Chargers. Same. Okay. Nick, what was the second one? Chargers. Oh. Chargers. Chargers. Cardinals, what? Browns, Cardinals, Cardinals at Browns. Cardinals. Cardinals. <laughs> Cardinals Browns suck. I took the Cardinals. Okay. Who do you have for Andrew? 
Oh, looks frozen again, so I'm just going to say go birds. Go birds. Okay, you're going go Cardinals, Cardinals too. Go what was the last one? Uh, Titans, Bills. Bills, Titans, Bills. 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 What? I'm going to take my Super Bowl champion, Buffalo Bills. Nick? Well, I'm going to take a Tennessee Titans and Derek Henry to have a huge game. I hope nice. he does. They lost to the Jets. I have been fantasy, so I just got to root for <laughs> They'll have a huge game, but they'll still lose because the Bills are going to drop. 50. And I want to be the only one. Yeah. I want to I want to pick against you guys again. I like yeah. doing it. It's funny. Also, okay. also, you said at the beginning of the year, I forget who said it, but someone said it. I don't know about the Bills' defense. They're first. They're the best defense right now. That was me. In the NFL. Ha. I, 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 I do. I did. I don't know about the Bills' defense. <laughs> oh, also, I don't know. Well, if, I don't, who's I the can't clown now? The, I also can't remember the last time Nick was here, but Nick made fun of me when I said Trayvon Diggs was a good uh, defensive back on the Cowboys, <laughs> and he's literally a defensive player of the year. Defensive right now, so. player of the year. Um, I have one thing to say about Trayvon Diggs. I don't want to elaborate, though. Uh, he's on pace for he's to done. allow the most yards in NFL history. He's still a defensive player of the year. All right. Um, uh, and in honor. Jackson. In honor of the Boston Marathon, oh, our marathon of an episode is finally over. Thank I don't understand why you don't, why you hate a long podcast. Um, I, I just I gotta, listened to I section ten for two and a half hours. I have an announcement. Excuse me. Okay, you guys Nick. No friends. I don't. That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah so is, thank you guys yeah. for listening. Follow us on Luke. Instagram and Twitter at the Big Four underscore Podcast. We will see you on Monday. Peace.